Good afternoon, Gabe DeArmond here, Drew King on the other side of your screen, or if you're listening on the podcast, which we'll do later, there is no screen. So we're both, you can just pretend we're both in the same room. Uh, this is the powermazoo.com podcast slash YouTube show, whatever. We're going to talk some Missouri basketball for the next 30 minutes or so. And um, every time we do this, we do this because James Carlton State Farm Insurance helps us out and allows us to do it. Um, frankly, some timely tie-ins to James Carlton. His name has been dropped on our board quite a few times today. Just in case you might be out there needing auto insurance for some reason and you don't currently have it, get in touch with James Carlton. Um, not saying that's the case in any particular instance, but if you're out there and you don't have insurance, carltoninsurance.net. 314-961-4800, Facebook.com, Carlton Insurance. If you are over the age of 70 or for some other reason still on Facebook, uh, you can find him there. James also wants to help out Mizzou's efforts on the court, on the football field, in the NIL game. So everybody that gets in touch with him and gets a quote, tells him they heard about him on Power Mizzou, he's going to donate $20 to every True Tiger Foundation Mizzou's preferred NIL collective. If you guys have comments, questions, anything you want to talk about, put it in the queue. We will get to them uh, in the second part of the show. We are going to start out, Drew, talking about, I don't know, man. I've, I've been thinking about it since last night. It just kind of, it was a weird game. Like there, after Noah Carter's dunk to start the game, there didn't really just seem to be too much flow or energy to that whole thing to me. Yeah, I think part of it was, you know, the crowd was definitely a lot smaller than it has been in, in the past couple of games. And it, it, it was kind of hard to get up for that one. But um, something I, I pointed out after the game was it, it, it definitely feels like Mizzou plays to the level of its competition. Um, so, you know, we'll see their best performances when they go up against Illinois and Kentucky and Arkansas and, and Iowa State. But if they're going up against... Not, not so much Kansas or Alabama. But. Correct. Um, <laughs> you know, there's exceptions to the rule, of course. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but you know, like like Ole Miss, South Carolina, LSU, SEMO, um, you're not always going to get the best brand of Mizzou basketball in those types of games. And the, the overriding factor is, for the most part, they have done enough to win, right? A lot more mm -hmm. than they haven't. Which is good, but it, it's interesting. It kind of leads into, I mean, they beat South Carolina last night, 83-74. It was, like, I wasn't sure that game was in hand until there was about three or four minutes left, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it would get to, like, seven, and then South Carolina would cut it to one. And then it would get back to six, and South Carolina would cut it to two. And they didn't go up more than eight until about four minutes left. Yeah, I, I think... It that's kind of when they stepped up on defense a lot more um, and, and started really closing down some of the open three-pointers that they were giving up. Um, I, I think that's kind of what made the difference when they were able to pull away. And um, on the other side, you know, Lamont Paris, um, South Carolina's head coach, talked about how to win a game like that, you have to string together a couple of stops in a row, and South Carolina wasn't able to do that. Yeah, and, and Missouri was, I thought, largely because South Carolina just started missing some shots. Um, mm -hmm. I want to talk about what it means big picture in a minute, but what was your take? Because Dennis Gates' takeaway from that game last night, to me, seemed to mostly be 
hey, we're focusing on a big picture thing. We we're trying to get better at some things in game. And sometimes, hey, South Carolina just made a bunch of shots tonight. But like when everybody seems to make a bunch of shots against you, that's no longer about them all the time. Like mm-hmm. I think maybe I'm a little bit more concerned about Missouri's defense than a lot of people seem to be. Um, I think Ken Palm would actually agree with you. Ken Palm has him as at one. 85 in defensive rating right now um and so yeah but that's been kind of an issue all season is like teams tend to shoot above their average when they go up against missouri um and the tigers just kind of outscore them right that's that's kind of the game plan going into every game and so um most teams aren't going to have the type of firepower to keep up with missouri um some teams are going to be good enough defensively to slow them down like mississippi state was but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of an issue when every single team is able to score against you. And and I understand it's not every team. I mean, Mississippi State was three for 20 from three-point range. So, so not every team. But there are times where it seems like the other team hits six or seven threes in a row almost every game. And I know that's exaggerating the fact. Uh, but I, I just... Like, this team is, I think they're going to the tournament. They're better than we thought. Like, I, you always have to preface it with that. But I just can see when this season ends, I already feel like I know exactly how it's going to end, right? It, it's going to end because somebody shot 54% from three-point range, and they beat Missouri like 91-87 in a game where you're going, if they could just get like one stop or two rebounds, they would be going on. But they're not because they didn't. Um, I, I'm surprised you don't think it's going to end with like Demoy Hodge going 30 for 30 from outside and, and them like raising up the trophy and cutting down the nets. Look, if they get to the national title game, Demoy Hodge will have 74 points on 19 <laughs> threes. I don't think there's any question about that. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm operating under the assumption that this team is not winning the national title. Um, I could be wrong. But but that's where I'll start. Um, real quick, do you want to start with this? And and Jared has the uh, he's he's tossing us a little super chat. And I appreciate that. And he is going to put five more dollars on Gerard Hamilton, the two point five point favorite over Drew in the next basketball game. So Gerard and I are supposed to play tonight. Actually, um, it, it won't be a one on one game. There will be other people there. But um, listen, I I understand. Um, you know, some of the the love that Gerard is getting. I'm just, I'm telling people like, do not sleep on me. Okay. Like this is not going to be an easy win for Gerard. I, I feel like at some point in the off season, we need to get a charity one-on-one basketball game between you guys and like raise money for, well, just for me, really. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, raise money for a good dog. You, you are the charity. Raise, right. Right. We could raise it for my NIL fund. So we're talking, and, and you guys, I do see we've got a few questions built up, and, and we'll get to those. And, and if you have some more questions, please, anything you want to talk about, uh, mostly Mizzou basketball related, but if you want to talk about Drew and Gerard's one-on-one game, if you want to drop your Super Bowl picks, whatever you want to do in the comments, do those. Uh, I can sort through them and, and use the ones we want to use. But we're talking about how Mizzou plays to the level of its its competition. And so these predictive me- metrics that everybody pays attention to, ourselves included, uh, largely Ken Palm and the net ranking. A big part of that is not just who you play and if you beat them, but also do you beat them by two? 
do you beat them by 19? Do you lose by two? Do you lose by 19? Like that factors into some of this. These metrics don't like Missouri as much as the people who project the tournament fields do. Most people who are projecting the tournament right now have Missouri on probably that seven, eight. A couple people have them at a six. A couple people probably have, probably have them at a nine, but mm-hmm. somewhere in that six to nine range. The, Ken Palm and the net, if they were doing it, like Missouri would be more like in that play-in game territory or in yeah. danger of missing the tournament. So like, do you think that's a concern? Is that something that should worry Missouri fans at this point? Am I too quick to put this team in the tournament? Um, I don't think you're too quick to put them in the tournament. Um, I, I was, um, I saw a tweet from uh, Palm from CBS, um, and he he said, you know, he was talking to the College Hoops chat radio show. He said, when you hear someone from the committee talk about what is important to them, there is a stock answer. Who did you play? Where did you play them? Who did you beat and who beat you? They never say how much did you win or lose by, right? And so if we're judging Mizzou based on that, they're in the tournament 10 times out of 10, right? Um, I think what the predictive metrics tell you is that it might not be as high of a seed as um, most people are thinking, right? I think a six seed is a little bit generous, Um based on what the net and Ken Palm say. Um, and so, I think we've also reached a point where we, we start to take like the net ranking as gospel. Like we think yes. the S curve just goes by the net. And that doesn't, I mean, Texas A&M last year was like 36 and didn't get in. And there were teams down in the 50s and 60s who did get in. So it's not like the committee sits down and says, okay, who's the top 64 or whatever in the net? And, and let's just kind of work with that. I mean, they do look at more than that. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so like, and you look at Mizzou's resume, like it's four ranked wins or three quad one wins. And you're also undefeated against Q2, Q3 and Q4 teams. Like that's a really impressive resume. So um, obviously like the non quad one wins don't count as much, but they do count, right? Like they they still count for something and being undefeated um, in those categories is still, um, you know, worth getting an NCAA tournament bid. Yeah. And, and I mean, I went through a bunch of the numbers and Missouri's kind of resume on Monday morning. And this is obviously before the South Carolina game and before Auburn lost to AM last night, but Missouri's the, the two programs that most compare to Missouri right now are Duke and Auburn. And I don't think there's anybody saying Duke and Auburn wouldn't be in the tournament today. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think another comparison would kind of be Arkansas, right? Because they've had a couple of big time wins, um, but but they've also had some bad losses. And um, I think Bracket Matrix has them and Mizzou pretty close, right? I think Arkansas, yeah, Arkansas is a nine seed on Bracket Matrix right now, which is kind of the aggregate of all the bracket forecasts. And Mizzou's a number eight. So um, based on you know, the teams that have similar resumes, like everyone else is also in the tournament. Right. And and the beauty of all of this is we have three and a half weeks left in the regular season, right? They have seven games Um, based on what happened last night, which is Missouri beating South Carolina and Arkansas suddenly looking like 
what everybody thought Arkansas was going to be three months ago and going into Rupp and just kind of humiliating Kentucky in the last 10 minutes or so of that game. I mean, Missouri is now a half game behind Florida and a game behind Auburn and Kentucky for fourth place in the SEC. Like if if they could go to Auburn and win next week, it is conceivable mm-hmm. that, hey, this double bye is back in play for Missouri. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we have seven, six, six or seven, seven SEC. Yeah, so there is there is a runway for Mizzou to keep moving up and, and climb into that top five. But, um, you know, there, there are some road games in the mix. And so those are going to be kind of tough for them to pull out. Yeah, I mean, they do have – they're at Tennessee and at Auburn. We'll talk a a little bit about those here in a minute. And then they have A&M at home. So that's the top three teams in the league. Like, I'm not sure how many fans realize that Texas A&M is 9-2 and and in third place in the Southeastern Conference. You know, like, that is not by any means a bad loss. And even Florida, I mean, is 6-5. and They are kind of right on the cut line for the tournament. That Missouri's losses are good quality losses, and – Tennessee and Auburn, even if you lose to them, I think those predictive metrics, I, I think those rankings will improve over the next week, even if Missouri goes 0-2, unless they go do something like get beat 80-40 to 40 in, in Knoxville. That could change it, obviously. Yeah. No, but if, if they, you know, keep it competitive against those two teams, I mean, we saw them, like, they just beat South Carolina. They didn't beat them at, by as much as Ken Palm projected them to, and they fell in the rankings, right? Well, you can move back up in the rankings even with a loss um, by, um, you know, keeping the margin a little bit closer. And that's why really their tournament fate is almost certainly going to be decided down to the seed, I think, in the next seven games. Because a lot of times, and sometimes I've fallen into this trap too, going, okay, well, you got the regular season, but then you got that first round in the SEC tournament to go get Mm -hmm. another win. The bottom of the SEC sucks. Beating Vanderbilt, beating Ole Miss, you know, one of those teams in the first round, it's not going to help you. Like if you're the if you're the five seed and you face South Carolina or Georgia in, in your first game, you're not going to get anything out of that. Like right. it, that is that get winning that game is not getting you in the tournament. Losing it could knock you out, but winning it isn't getting you in. Right. No, that's absolutely correct. You know, um, like we we just saw again. You know, they beat South Carolina and moved down in the rankings. Like that's that can't go unnoticed. Um, and, and so, um, uh, yeah, I, I think a SEC tournament win doesn't do all that much for you um, in the long, in the great right, no, no, Yeah, Two or three obviously could, but right. just the one doesn't. So one last thing on the South Carolina game. Did you watch that game at all last night and think, how is South Carolina this bad? Like, I, I mean, they, they did not look to me like a one in 10 team in the SEC. No, which by the way, the only wins at Kentucky, which makes no sense. Yeah, that was a weird game, but no, I, I thought South Carolina actually looked, you know, like it had some potential. You know, obviously, Gigi Jackson, he's a great player, gonna go to the NBA after this season. And well, I um, don't know, he he looked like he was really enjoying being around his teammates and his coaches, and he seems fully invested in everything that's going on at South Carolina basketball. You know, he actually did say on that same Instagram live where he's like, I don't know why I don't have the ball in my hands. He actually did say, you know, I might stay another year, which I didn't know. I mean, my favorite, my favorite part of the game last night was when 
like I forget if it was a turnover or a timeout, but like Gigi Jackson was throwing a tantrum on the court that somebody did not throw him the ball wide open on the way. Well, no, the, the guy got called for a travel. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, and and he's he's like pass me the ball, and <laughs> Lamont Paris benched him after that too. Um, yeah. yeah. But so so obviously Gigi had a good night. Hayden Brown had like a career night against. Missouri, um, I think South Carolina would have won a few more games if he played like that all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I I mean, South Carolina, not a bad team. Yeah, so uh, we'll get to your guys' questions here in just a minute. But real quick, at Tennessee on Saturday, at Auburn on Tuesday. Um, So Tuesday, is that correct? Auburn is on Tuesday, yes. Okay. Um, Any chance they come out with one of these two? Um, I, so Ken Palm has, um, has a 12% chance against Tennessee. That's going to be the tougher of the Tennessee's two. Tennessee's good, right? Yes. Um, Auburn though, you know, been slipping a little bit lately, right? They, mm-hmm. they've gone four, they've, they've won. They've lost they've gone, four out of five and yes, they have Alabama on Saturday. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the one win was Georgia. Um, and so, I think you're catching Auburn kind of at a good time based on how they've been playing recently. Um, you're still playing them on the road, which has not been good for Missouri all season long. Um, but I, I'd say that of the two, that's the one that I think they could pick up a win over potentially. Yeah. Tennessee's the number one defensive team in the country. We understand Missouri struggles shooting away from home. It would be, surprising to me if they go into Thompson bowling and get to 70 points. I I, I would be yeah. stunned if that happened. So the Auburn one to me, th- this might be counterintuitive. I think it's better for Missouri. If Auburn can find a way to beat Alabama on Saturday, because Auburn right now is sliding back toward the bubble. They're not on it yet, but they're sliding that way. If they lose to Alabama, Missouri is going to go in there on Tuesday night and Alabama or Auburn is probably going to know, hey, if we lose this game, like we're in danger of missing the turn. Like, I think you would get desperate, fired up Auburn on Tuesday night in that case. But if they beat Alabama, there might be a little bit of, okay, good. Everything's okay. We're in. No worries. And maybe you catch them a little fat and happy from beating the number two team in the country. Yeah, I could definitely see that happen. Um, and, and, you know, Auburn isn't a, a bad team either, right? Like they, Oh, no. They, they're still, like, very solidly in the top 40 or, or 30 even teams in the country. So, um, but I, I think, yeah, the, the Alabama game could definitely play a role in here. And, and everybody does not play well against Alabama either. So, right. um, I, I think, yeah, Alabama – that game will be important for sure. I think Missouri-Tennessee will be a tough watch. I think Missouri-Auburn could be really fun to watch. Bruce Pearl likes to play a real similar style to Dennis Gates. He will. I don't think his team will shy away from running with Missouri. I think that's easily a game where you, you're probably going to have to score 80, maybe 85 or 90 to win it, you know? So, I look, I, I think that'd be – I think that'll be fun. Um, so, that's the week ahead for Mizzou basketball. We're, we're hopeful we'll talk to Dennis Gates and maybe a player or two here either – Thursday or Friday morning. We we don't really know about that yet, but we'll uh, we'll get you to your guys' questions. Well, and I'll say Go this ahead, real quick: um, yeah. the South Carolina game. I feel like that was the first time, 
or, or, or one of the first times that we've seen a team really go shot for shot against Mizzou up until the last six minutes or so. And that might be the case going up against Auburn as well. That's a team yeah. that could, could actually keep pace offensively with Mizzou. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Josh Randall asks, update on the team's floor and ceiling. Um, is it, I mean, what do you think, Drew? So uh, I, I came out with this opinion last week, and, and I'm kind of sticking to it now. I think the ceiling is kind of a five seed. You'd have to pick up a win over Auburn or uh, Tennessee. You'd have to go 2-0 against Texas A&M and Mississippi State and then win out the rest of the games there. Um, the floor would be something bad happens, an injury potentially. Uh, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But um, and, and the team kind of goes into a tailspin because of it. Um, so that would be like, you know, going two and four, maybe two and, two and five. Yeah. Yeah. Two and five. And, um, you know, falling to, uh, probably an 11 seed or, two, or maybe two and five. I think they're probably out of the tournament. Really? You think so? Yeah. I mean, that would leave them 20 they, they, and yeah. 20 and 11 with at least one and probably two bad losses down the stretch, honestly. Yeah. Um, and and so kind of along those lines, I, I think everybody will look at Tennessee and Auburn and, hey, this is a huge week because you could get a quad one win and all that. That's This is not the biggest week of the season to me. The biggest week is that next week when you have Texas A&M and Mississippi State at home. And those are... Like AM by that point, I, I don't know. It, it, they'll probably still be quad two games because they're at home. I don't think either of those teams will be in the top 30. But like they're teams that, look, they've already shown they can beat you. So they're not automatic wins, but they're also the games that at home, good teams in NCAA tournament teams win those games. Yes. Yeah. No, that like those two, I, I said, you know, with this past road game against Mississippi State, and the two that they've got coming up at home, you want to go two and one in those three just to kind of maintain status quo, right? Um, and so if you end up dropping one of those or you end up dropping both of those, you're going to see them fall down in the seating a little bit. Right. And because if you do win both of those, then uh, you still get old Miss at home. We're kind of counting that as a win, right? But then what that means to me is LSU and Georgia – all you got to do is go win one of those, right? right? You don't need to win both of them. Because uh, four you might three even, the you know, rest some guys in one of those games, right? And and keep them fresh for the tournament that comes up. Well, yeah, we're going to get to resting guys here in just a minute uh, with our with our next question. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, basically, if you lose to – I mean, if you lose to A&M or Mississippi State at home, really, what you've done is completely eliminate your margin for error. Uh, and like you could still get in and all that, but but you just aren't leaving yourself a lot of room. So yeah. Clayton wants to know if the energy had anything to do with Isaiah Mosley. Um, it seems there's more excitement when he's on the floor. Um, first of all, I will say maybe from fans, like I think it's gotten a little bit to the point where it's almost like Isaiah Mosley. And then, oh, also here's the rest of the team. Uh, you know, it's, it's become unpopular. Like you can't really criticize Mosley. And I said, he was bad at Mississippi State. Like, there, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He did not play well. Now, a lot of other guys didn't play well. He wasn't the only one. But he had four turnovers and didn't play very well in that game. And then, so I got to the arena with about, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes tip-off. And I walked in, and the first thing you said, you said, uh, I don't think Isaiah's out there. 
warming up. I thought we were done with this. I really did. Um, and the just the the irritating part is we can't say why we're not done with it. But I look I, at this point, I'm going to speculate a little because they're giving us nothing. Dennis Gates right. isn't going to talk about it. Um, and, and that's fine. That's his prerogative. But everybody else is talking about it. I, whatever caused him to not play last night, to me, that has to be separate than whatever caused him to not play most of the month of December, right? Like, I don't think all of a sudden just whatever was going on then popped back up and, and caused him to miss a game. Because if that's the case, then I guess we just go into every game and go, I don't know. I, I don't know. Because I thought we were to the point where we just assumed he was going to play. Yeah, and it, it confused me too because Dennis kind of grouped him in with Trey Gomillion and Roddy right. DeGray. Um, and the difference is those two players are injured, right? Like they're, And Dennis they're, has not hid that from us. He's right, told us that. Right. Um, and, and he's saying, you know, those two want to play, but I had to make a decision to sit them. And then he says, Isaiah wanted to play. I had to make a decision to sit him. Well, Isaiah was on the floor warming up and, and like had a, his, his warm up stuff on. So uh, we were told he was available for the game. Yeah. He, and, uh, and by the way, Dennis said that about six minutes after I asked him and he said that he and Mosley talked and agreed it would just be great to take that night off. Yeah. So, I mean, I assume by agreed, he means I said, you're going to take the night off. And Isaiah said, okay, because he doesn't have a choice because, because he's the player and not the coach. Um, but I, I don't think it was this, you know, maybe maybe we'll just, coach, maybe I'll just chill out this one. I, I don't think that's how that conversation went. <laughs> Um, but to go back to the original question, I do think there was, you know, Isaiah does bring a little bit of extra energy, especially from the fans since he's from Columbia. Um, it, it does seem like there's a couple of extra decibels when they, when they cheer for him. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that that was necessarily the reason that there was less energy from the team itself. And, and I don't think it's a distraction to the team. I don't think it's a reason that maybe they didn't play quite as well as you wanted them to. Um, you know, I, I think we all spend a lot more time thinking about this than they do, to be quite yeah, honest. Um, I agree. They're going to go play with whoever's suited up and ready to play that night. Um, and and look, at the talk today, and Dave Matter mentioned it in his column, there is a file on CaseNet where in mid-December – Isaiah, there was some sort of, I, I guess I'll call it a fender bender for lack of a better way to know how to describe it, but uh, basically in a parking lot. Um, and I, I believe the charges are like left the scene and didn't have proof of insurance. Now, this is not like a felony. This is not even a misdemeanor. It is listed as a municipal ordinance violation, which is... I, it's just not, I, I mean, I can't say whether it is or is not why he didn't play last night. I, we don't know either way. Who knows? So I guess, Drew, you'll show up in uh, Missouri Tennessee. plays at Thompson Bowling on five at 5 o'clock. You'll get there about 4 o'clock and you'll just see. Yep. We just don't uh, know. That, that'll be the case. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, and this kind of continues this theme, JMKLF. Do you think uh, Aiden Shaw 
proved Gates made a mistake last night by not playing him against Mississippi State. So I joked with you and a couple other guys last night. I said, I think maybe the day before the game, Dennis Gates ends practice with some sort of competition. And just the two guys who finish last just don't get to play the next day. Like that is how, like Mo Diara, Kayla Brown, Aiden Shaw, Isaiah Mosley, they're Ronnie DeGray. A lot of these guys have like just yo-yoed, like they play and then all of a sudden we just don't see them for two games. And then they yeah. play again. So like maybe they lost a game of knockout the day before practice, right? I, I don't know. And, and and like I'm making a joke, obviously. And Dennis has pushed all the right buttons. He's done a great job. He's got a shot at SEC coach of the year. So don't take any of this as it, it, but it's it's kind of curious, right? And I thought I thought Aiden Shaw turned that game around last night in the last five minutes of the first half. I, I thought his contribution was that important. Yeah, no, I, well, and that one-handed alley-oop, oh my gosh, yeah. like, oh, I wish I could do anything as good as Hayden Shaw is able you, to dunk a basketball. You, you would be a huge favorite over Gerard if you had that move in your arsenal, I'll say that. <laughs> Correct. Um, no, I think with the Mississippi State game, though, I don't think Aiden Shaw necessarily is the difference between a, a win or a loss there. Um, right. Mabor Majak, you know, only played five minutes in that game, and so if you if you give Aiden Shaw those minutes, by the way, Mabor Majak was a plus two in those minutes. He was not a negative. Um, so I, I don't know that Aiden Shaw could have made that much bigger of an impact. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it's like, look, maybe it was just a message that needed to be sent. And maybe that's why Shaw played well last night. Who knows? Right. Without being in and Dennis likes to frequently remind us you're. You're not at practice. You don't hear what I say. You don't know. And and we don't know. So right. so who knows what happened? I, I I am laughing as I read this question. Why does Mizzou act like guinea pigs when a shot goes up? They freeze and run like hell away when the other team has the ball. So I just see a shot going up and then like guys just scattering for the sidelines, right? Um, but here's the weird, like, look, they're not tall. We know that. Um, the box out technique at times is not ideal but there just seem to be a lot of times they just have a hard time grabbing the basketball on a rebound to me it, it's bizarre part of that has to do with the lack of height right like another team is able to poke the ball loose when when they do get two hands on it um but yeah I, when you read that question i've had guinea pigs before and so i i thought he was going to say something about like they squeal when the when the ball yeah, comes I, off the I wasn't sure <laughs> I, I thought maybe it was indicating the really short limbs right so right. they couldn't rebound well because their arms are like an inch and a half long <laughs> that's true um, it's like that'd be more t-rex i guess but yeah well yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand calling them guinea pigs, but you know, you it was you. enjoyable. Yeah, like the, like the mice that scatter when you turn on the light. But yeah, the rats. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, there was a question about uh, Traco Million, and we don't. So Gates said on last Friday mm -hmm. that Gomillion and Ronnie DeGray, he was going to hold out at least another week. So theoretically. We, I, I get the feeling Trey Gomillion is closer to playing than Ronnie DeGray is. Nobody has said that, but that's just kind of the way it seems to me, especially because Gomillion's dealing with a groin injury. It, it sounds like a knee with DeGray. That's correct. Yeah. Um, and they listed Gomillion as day to day when he first got injured. Um, 
they haven't put any kind of designation on Ronnie's injury yet. So um, we're still waiting to hear back on, on what exactly it is. I, I think Gates said it was a knee sprain, um, mm-hmm. but we, we don't know like how severe it is with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we got one last, uh, one last question here. It's a, it's a football question. What are the pros and cons of running spring practice so early? So I will give you the pros. The pros are that I will be off covering the NCAA tournament with Drew, so I don't have to cover spring football. That is the biggest pro that can exist in my life all year long because spring football is my least favorite thing. So it's fantastic. Gerard Hamilton has all of our uh, spring football covered. Eli Drinkwitz likes it done before spring break. Uh, he says it gives guys a little more time to heal, gives the coaches a little 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 bit of a break in, in April. So that's why he does it. Uh, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, I, I don't really know, but, uh, on March 18th, which is the spring game, Drew and I will be somewhere between, between Sacramento, California and Orlando, Florida. We just, we assume, right. We just, we just don't know exactly where there are a number of places. Somewhere between there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, based on my research, I hope it is neither of those two places. I hope it is any of the other locations we can possibly get, be going to, but um, we'll take a look. So, Drew, you are headed to Knoxville tomorrow, and then you just have like a couple days to hang out and explore Auburn, Alabama, uh, because you're staying on the road before they play at Auburn on Tuesday night. Yes, I got to figure out some Super Bowl plans because I'm going to be by myself on oh, Sunday. Oh, that's but, right. Yeah. So, well, right. I, if anyone has recommendations for where to watch the Super Bowl, let me know. Yeah, you got to get out of that hotel in in Knoxville early so you can get to Auburn. Yeah, um, before kickoff. Yeah. Well, so if, if you know your way around Auburn, um, let Drew know. Tweet at him, uh, email him, whatever. Let him know where to watch the Super Bowl. I will be uh, if news breaks on Sunday after five o'clock. Then it's just not going to happen um, on Power Mizzou. We'll just wait till Monday morning for that. So, <laughs> all right, Drew. So appreciate it, man. We're gonna. Let you run, and uh, maybe I'll see you before you drive to Knoxville. Maybe I won't. We we wait to see what the availability is. We'll find out. All right. So uh, appreciate Drew King joining us. Uh, Going to let him go and just kind of want to finish up with you guys. First of all, thanks for watching, joining us live here. We do this most Wednesdays. It changes a little bit during basketball season based on, on the schedule and all that. We'll try to do a, a post-game show probably – Maybe after the Texas A&M game here at home. Uh, we haven't been doing them lately because games are at 8 o'clock and, and we're not trying to go live at 1230 in the morning. So, uh, But but we'll get back and do another post-game show or two for you before the end of the year. But if you're watching here on YouTube, uh, just subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button before you leave the show. If you're listening on the podcast, which I will have up momentarily as soon as I sign off here, then leave us a nice review, say good things on social media, do all that. Regardless of whether or not you do that, please make sure to get in touch with our friend James Carlton at State Farm Insurance in Webster Groves. Uh, He wants to do two things. He wants to help you out with your insurance needs, and he wants to help Missouri out with its NIL uh, initiatives on campus. And uh, the way you do that, you go to carltoninsurance.net, or you can call James at 314-961-4800. Home insurance, auto insurance, life insurance, whatever you need. James got a team of eight and and you're always going to get a live person, and they are going to take care of you. When you talk to them, when you get your insurance quote, make sure to let them know you heard about it through our show or through the website here at Power Mizzou, and he is going to donate $20 
for every quote he gives out to every true Tiger Foundation, Mizzou's preferred NIL collective. So uh, appreciate you guys joining us late night last night, but we wanted to get in a show for you on Wednesday afternoon as usual. And uh, plenty of stuff coming up uh, before this weekend at Tennessee and then on to Auburn. So we'll talk to you guys next time.